We're now going to have our, our Bible reading. So if you do have your Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read from verses 12 through to 28. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are to be most pitied. But Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have, been fallen, who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it has says everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will also be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. So we just celebrated Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and as Lachlan prayed for us, it's something that as followers of Jesus we celebrate every day. So let me pray for us as we uh, look into God's word. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Lord, I ask now that you would help me to to preach clearly by your Spirit, Lord. We pray that you would open our hearts to understanding, help us to receive your word, and to be transformed by your truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I wonder if you know which team I'm talking about. They've had seven wins, five draws, four losses, Someone knows. They're fourth on the ladder. It's Sydney FC. Now, I'm not really a fan of any team, but my boy Jacob, he's got a Sydney FC soccer ball, so there's at least that. Now, the, the season's only halfway through. They could win every single game from here on out and be at the top of the ladder. They could have a great highlight reel, but really the whole season comes down to only one game, the grand final. They could win every game, have the best players, score the most. But if they lose the grand final, none of that really matters. If we think back to 2016, Cronulla Sharks, perhaps there are some fans here. It's hard to forget that year. They won the grand final. But does anyone know where they finished on the regular season? They came third. No one really remembers because it's all about the grand final. 
some, mat- some moments matter more than most. And today, when we look at the resurrection of the dead, that's one of those moments that matter more than most. The resurrection of the dead needed some correct teaching in the early church, and it needs correct teaching today, because if we get this wrong, we end up with a misunderstanding about who Jesus is, we end up with a misunderstanding about our future, it is core to our faith. We, I know some of us, we, we're like, oh, I know the resurrection of the dead, I, I sing about it, you know, there's that song, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, I believe in the name of Jesus. Sorry, I had to put you through that because it's it's a good song. The lyrics are good. People who sing it are good. Maybe not then, but um, it's a great song. It speaks of some important truths for our faith. And when we share the gospel, we often miss out on the resurrection of the dead, which is interesting because it's so core to our faith. Throughout the, the book of Acts, you notice that whenever the apostles talk about the gospel, They always include the resurrection. And I know every time we we share the gospel, we don't need to include every theological truth. But it seems more and more we're missing out on the resurrection and we focus on on the cross. So why does the resurrection matter? What is it all about? Is it talking about just like heaven? Is it talking about just Jesus' resurrection or, or our one? Is it just a spiritual thing? Well, Paul is very clear in what he says about the resurrection of the dead. He says it's not optional. Our faith hinges on the resurrection of the dead. It's like if you heard someone say, hey, there's no, the internet doesn't exist. I'm like, what? How do I check my emails? How are you watching from the live stream? Our society today depends on the internet. In a similar fashion, our faith depends on the resurrection of the dead. It's as real. It's not just an ethereal, um, out-of-body resurrection. Paul is talking about something as physical and real as if I don't, I don't know if this is right, but seeing Prince Philip walk down the ro- the aisle here, it's like a physical resurrection. And so, in the Corinthian church, you had this issue that Paul talks about throughout the the letter from chapters 1 through to 14 of all these symptoms of what's wrong with the church. And then he comes to chapter 15 and he says, underneath all these problems that we are experiencing in the church is our misunderstanding of the resurrection of the dead. So if I briefly just do a brief overview of what Paul's been talking about through chapters 1 to 14, he starts with saying, The church, you guys have divisions about who you follow. I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. There's divisions in the church. And and next, you guys are following and emulating worldly wisdom. You are listening to speakers talk about with eloquence, with clever words, but with all style, but no substance. You guys embrace immorality in the church. You you guys embrace this guy whose conduct shocked even the pagans who are looking in. You guys are involving yourselves in the worship of pagan idols. You're not able to say no to your bodily appetites. This church had lots of issues, and the least of these was not how they celebrated communion. They wouldn't even wait for all the believers to get together. They were in such a rush 
and they just conducted themselves with drunkenness and self-indulgence, that their celebration became an abomination in the eyes of God. You think we've got a monopoly on the now generation. The Corinthians knew exactly what all of that was. They minimized the future and they, they, they prioritized the present. Their motto basically could have been carpe diem, seize the day. Gordon Fee, the scholar, says, the Corinthians are convinced that by the gift of the Spirit, they have already entered into the spiritual heavenly existence that is to be. Only the body left to shed off at death lies between them and their ultimate spirituality. John Bloom, the author and pastor, said, Christianity is not merely a go-to-heaven-when-you-die religion. Christianity is foremost a resurrection religion. It's so important that we get this right as followers of Jesus. And so Paul addresses this by basically giving a crash course on the resurrection of the dead. ROTD 1001 for those at uni. Verse 12 to 14, he begins, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If there is no resurrection, there is no Christianity. Our preaching, what I'm telling you now, is useless. It's basically the opposite of useful. It's not some good advice or self-help wisdom. The gospel that's preached in the Bible actually tells us, no, we can't help ourselves. It's the opposite. It's saying that we are incapable of living a righteous life. The gospel says we need a saviour. That's not self-help. If there's no resurrection, what I'm preaching is useless. I might as well be up here doing a demo on how to boil water for pasta which I'd probably fail at, mind you. But verse 15, he continues, More than that, we are, being found, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. Okay. Our preaching is useless, but more than that, we are fake news spreaders. We are sharing what's wrong. We are sharing. It's better if we remained silent. Not only is it useless, we're, we're sharing conspiracies about 5G towers, flat earth theories, and fake moon landings. Just let people live the way they want. Don't ask people to surrender their lives to Jesus if there's no resurrection of the dead. And worst of all, worse than being useless and sharing false news, Paul tells us, verse 16, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If there is no resurrection of the dead, Christ has not been risen, and we are stuck in our sins. Just to be clear, I don't want to miscommunicate here. If you don't have your trust in Jesus, then you are still stuck in your sins. We have salvation in Christ. In the same way, if there's a plane taking off, 
We only take off with that plane if we're sitting in that plane, not watching from the runway. It's in Christ that we have salvation of our our sins. It's through his death and resurrection that we gain what he has won for us. This biblical, this concept in the Bible of our salvation often focuses on on the cross and the payment for our, our sins. And there's this spiritual aspect, sure, We've rejected God and, and we need to come be reconciled to God. But there's also a very real physical reality of sin. It's death. We see it around us. It has this jarring effect when a loved one passes away, either suddenly or over a period of time. We all face the reality of death. But let me share with you... Uh, a story from Lord of the Rings for any fans out there. Uh, there's a scene where Gandalf is running away with the hobbits through these deep underground caverns, being chased by the fire demon Balrog. And they get to this bridge that crosses this pit uh, of darkness, this chasm, it's unending. And, and Gandalf stops at one end of the bridge to protect the hobbits. And he stands firm and he fights off Balrog, this fire demon. And you're like, man, Gandalf, you're this old guy with a staff. Balrog's this huge demon with a, with a fire whip. It doesn't look good. But then Gandalf, you know, he does his famous line, You shall not pass! And what happens? He, the bridge gets destroyed and, and then Balrog falls into this endless pit. And, you, and there's a sigh of relief from Gandalf, from the hobbits. Whew! We've done it. And then a moment later, as Gandalf walks towards the hobbits, out of the, the darkness, Balrog shoots out this, this whip and it grabs Gandalf by the leg and it pulls him down with, into the darkness with him. See, if sin were a person, sin would be saying, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. See, death is sin's final cheat move. Death must be defeated if we are to be freed from our sins. Christ must rise again. The resurrection of the dead must happen. Verse 20 tells us, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. When all hope seems lost, when it perhaps our preaching is useless, maybe we've been fake witnesses, maybe there is no more hope. We have this victory in Christ. Christ has been raised from the dead. It reminds me of another great victory, not nearly at the same level, but unexpected nonetheless. Stephen Bradbury. Maybe that name rings a bell for some of us. Some of us are nodding our heads. It was a great moment in our history. So Stephen Bradbury, uh, speed ice skater, Winter Olympics 2002, Salt Lake City. He's made it to the finals, not through much effort of his own. Actually, it was through a few disqualifications by other people. So he's made it through the quarters. You're like, wow, an Australian's made it to the semis, and then someone else gets disqualified, and then Stephen's in the semifinals. You're like, wow, awesome. And then all of a sudden, here we have Stephen in the grand final of the speed skating at the Olympics. This is for the medals. 
And he's in this lineup of four others uh, from countries with lots of snow, from, from China, Korea, America, and uh, I don't know, some other country that's covered in snow, maybe Antarctica, I don't know. But, um, and then you have Stephen. You know where he grew up? Over in Camden. Um, and so the race starts, and you're like, oh, okay. You have the pack of four going around, and then behind them you have Stephen. You're like, oh, this doesn't look great, but hey, we're in the finals. Um, and they go around and around. At the second last lap, it's, it's, you know, Stephen's sort of out of the race. But in the final lap, someone tries to overtake someone else. They knock someone else off balance, and all of a sudden, everyone's scrambling and knocking each other over, and all four of them are sliding to the barrier. And then in the last 10 meters, Stephen Bradbury just overtakes them all and clinches the unlikeliest of medals, the gold medal. This was an amazing moment. It was unexpected. This is an amazing victory for Australian history, our first gold medal at the Winter Olympics. We put his face on a postage stamp after this. We gave him the Order of Australia medal. What an awesome victory. Unexpected. You can check it out on YouTube. It's well worth the watch. And this is the victory we have in Christ. When we see death around us, when we think, oh, no, death has won, No, we have the resurrection of the dead. Christ is risen. We have the truth. We have hope that is alive. It says that Christ is also the first fruits. That word first fruits is an agricultural term. All right, it's it's simple. Break it up. First fruits. It means the first fruit to come out of the ground. Uh, And it's hard to forget just last year um, the bushfires that, that tore through our state. For days, we, our skies were covered in this thick, hazy smoke. Our farmlands were destroyed, communities devastated, the entire environment was destroyed. The photos of the, of the bush, instead of bush, you saw just these dark skeletons of trees, all wildlife gone, no leaves, just a charcoal backdrop. And then afterwards, a few weeks after the fires tore through, some of the photos showed something else. You started to see some colours coming out of this dark, ashy backdrop. It was the first flowers that our bush is known for, its renewal. And it was these first flowers that were a reminder that our bush would come back. Animals will return, our communities will flourish. And it was those first colours that remind me of this idea of the first fruits. It's a guarantee that everything's coming, that Christ was the first fruit, the first resurrection, and then following him, the rest of the resurrection will happen, the resurrection of the dead. It's a guarantee, a down payment to say that we have a hope that is coming. I had the privilege this week of visiting uh, the aged care home and sharing a bit from this passage with some of the residents there. And after I shared, one of the carers invited me to um, go say hi to one of the other ladies. And when I walked into the the room, um, she's lying on on a mattress just on on the floor for her own safety. It just reminded me that with our lives, it sort of reduces in size. We end up in a, in a room, and then at the end of it, we're, we're confined to just our beds. We'll call her Mrs. H. I think of that because Mrs. Hope, that's how I remember. 
this. But Mrs. H, she was, her eyes were unfocused, her hands were frail, her voice was soft. And I read to her parts of this chapter. And then she was able to recite to me verses 55 and, and 57. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This was a powerful moment for me to see someone who has lived her life well, who looks at the end to come with confidence, to know that Jesus is risen, to say that death is not the end, the resurrection will come. This is the hope that we have. The resurrection of the dead means that we have salvation for our sins and then the end will come. Verse 24 tells us, Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The end that is coming is really just the beginning as well. Death for us is not a wall of finality. It's more like a, a doorway that we all have to pass through. See, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then death reigns. With the resurrection of the dead, God reigns. This is the, the grand final buzzer moment. The score has, is final. The grand final has been won. The resurrection of the dead is when all will be raised See, God is God of the physical and the spiritual. He, he made it all. So he said there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is all of history, all of our lives leading to this moment that God's kingdom would be established. This is God's opus magnum. This is Shakespeare's Hamlet. This is Da Vinci's Mona Lisa. God's kingdom will be established. It will be the resurrection of the dead. All dominion, authority, and power will be gone. All false idols brought down. All dictators overthrown. Corruption cleaned out. Injustices made right. All poverty and starvation will be no more. The resurrection of the dead means that we have hope in Christ. We have hope of the future. Christ is risen. Our sins are forgiven. Christ is victorious. The kingdom will come. This is Paul's crash course on the resurrection of the dead. This is so important for our faith. But then how does this impact us today? It's great to know this as a truth, but what does this mean for how we live? Paul gives us an example from his own life. Verse uh, 30. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human, human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? If the dead aren't raised, Paul's like, why am I being persecuted? Why do I risk my life just by preaching Christ? If the dead are raised, it means that we have a hope beyond death. Let me share with you a story from Open Doors, just published last year, uh, about SOP. Sop lived in a small mountain village in Laos. 
growing up, he knew no other belief but Buddhism. It wasn't until he was well into adulthood that Sop discovered Jesus. I met a man who invited me to his house and gave me a book, the Bible. I read it and understood it. I accepted Jesus into my life. I then began to lead a small group and we started to gather and worship God. Soon, Sop's small group was discovered and his cousin, the village chief, confronted him. He got so angry at me and punched me many times on my head until I fell on the ground. After the brutal beating, Sop's cousin gave him an ultimatum. Abandon his faith or be cast out. Sop chose to leave his home village right away, but not before his community beat him once more and set his home alight. In his new village, Sop refused to stop sharing the gospel and even began hosting worship gatherings. This is what he says. I am always reminded that if people try to kill me for my faith, the Bible says not to be afraid. They can kill my body but not my soul. If they want to kill me, I have no problem with it for I know where I'm going after. That is the confidence that Sop has that we can all have. That after death, that's not the end. That there is a resurrection. Because Christ is alive, there is a resurrection of the dead and we belong to that resurrection. This is wonderful news. This is the core of our faith. Secondly, what this means for us is that our physical lives matter. There was this false teaching throughout the Corinthian church. It spread like bad apples, just that the resurrection had already happened, that they had now already entered this spiritual perfect existence. And the Corinthian church ended up adopting the pagan cultures around them. They distinguished between this spiritual spirituality and their bodily spirituality in a very incorrect way. They thought that they could be spiritual in spirit while being immoral and self-indulgent in the flesh. Perhaps we can fall into a similar trap of thinking that our spiritual lives are separate from our physical lives, that somehow one doesn't impact the other. So we get involved in drunkenness, sexual acts outside of marriage, crude joking, and the like. We reason that, well, it doesn't hurt anyone, and everyone else is doing it. We reason that, oh, we, we just don't want to be a, like a stick in the mud. Or worse, you know, be called like one of those fundamentalist Christians. We reason that, oh, oh, we're just trying to make it so that Christianity is cool and that we fit in. But Christ and the Bible never calls for us to fit in. We are called to be the holy people of God, so different from the world. We are called to stand out for our love for one another and our worship of God. Finally, what it means that there is a resurrection of the dead means that we are people who belong to the resurrection. Verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. What are the voices that we're listening to? What are the voices that we're allowing to shape our lives? Paul says, this is perhaps the voice of the world. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. 
the voices of the world to spend, experience, enjoy. You know, if we're on the Titanic, might as well be in first class. The purpose that we're told is be happy. Haven't you heard that? What's the purpose of life? Oh, no, it's just, just be happy with, with life. Don't worry about the future. Just be happy now. And we, as followers of Jesus, people who belong to the resurrection, can fall into this futile thinking of those around us. We can think that, oh, it's all about now. It's all about happiness. It's all about success as a social status. To achieve, to chase our dreams. But Paul says, come back to your senses as you ought. We are called to be a holy people, like a ship in the ocean, where the ocean is the culture of the world and where the ship called to be different from it. But some of us are starting to live like as if the ocean is inside the ship. Like we've started to adopt the values of the world and allowed that to form what we value. When it comes, when push comes to shove, where do we spend our time, energy, and money? Perhaps our decisions, really, there's no right answer to this, but as we think of it through our decisions, what do they reveal about our hearts? Are our hearts formed by the world around us or are our hearts formed by the resurrection of Jesus? Perhaps our boss is offering us additional hours of work. Seems like a good thing, but then it impacts and it means we can't keep our commitments to our family or it means that we can't gather with the rest of God's people to worship. Perhaps our friends are all telling us, oh, you've got to get into the housing market now. Go speak to your broker, and you're listening to the broker give you all these options about prices, and this will impact really how much we have to work, how much we can save, and it impacts how much we can give. Perhaps it's that after-work gathering. We know that if we go there, everyone's going to be getting drunk. And if we don't join in, we're going to stand out as someone who's maybe not a good fit and it will impact our chances at a promotion. Or maybe it's at school and someone makes a, a crude remark about someone else. Do we stand up and say, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's an appropriate thing to say? Or do we join in and dismiss it as banter? The resurrection of the dead is a hope that we can hold on to. It means that death is not the end. Christ is risen, and we will all rise with him too. Death has been defeated. God's kingdom will come. All wrongs will be made right. There will be no more pain and no more suffering. Death will be no more. God's kingdom will come. And let me finish with this promise from Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 18 to 19. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that Christ is risen as the first fruits, that we will rise with him, that our sins have been forgiven. Thank you that your kingdom will come 
and all things will be made right. Lord, help us to live in light of the resurrection. Help us to say no to the values of the world and to say yes to the Spirit. Lord, empower us by your Spirit to live holy lives pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.